Servus and welcome to another episode of the Pro Hockey Pod, episode 27. This week, Burlington Cougar alumni on. This guy I was teammates with there for two seasons. Spent a lot of time together with him on and off the ice. Also played against him in college. Saw him work his way up through the pro ranks. Now he's moved over to the front office there in, uh, in Lehigh in the AHL. Another GTA guy that uh, you know found a way and it created his own path. Welcome to the podcast, Greg Carey. Thanks, Jersey. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here, man. Obviously, as we talked about off camera, you're recently uh, a father again, I would say. So the second one has come. And so we're catching you at the right time, right? Nap time, feeding time. So we'll get this out. Yeah. Um, so I always like to go back to, to the beginning. So obviously you were you were born and raised, I believe, in, in the Hamilton region. Is that where you first like, you know, started to play hockey, learn to skate, etc.? Yeah, so like I have, everyone has their hockey story and kind of how they were raised and 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 taught and learned. So like my my old man was a uh, supervisor for the city of Hamilton, and he managed this Carlisle City Amalgamated. He managed hockey rinks. It's easy to learn how to play hockey when your dad manages five hockey rinks growing up. So um, he kind of would take me me and my brother out to to the rinks and and uh that's really where we first kind of started um and on top of that he would build an outdoor ice rink at the park across the street and he did that until i don't i don't think it gets cold in canada anymore unfortunately especially in hamilton i think we used to have winters where we get like 60 days of ice outdoors on a on a basically built on my dad's back just fire hoses and donated sheds and just grinding the cold cold weather to, to skate outside but um you know when your dad has access to ice time and you know how expensive ice time is um even here where i live it, it's crazy expensive um being able to kind of have that as an asset and, and learn from him and and have that availability kind of is a great way to kickstart a young kid's hockey career <clears throat> well your first comment there just about the the outdoor rinks like i think every kid probably our age and maybe a little bit older was fortunate enough to to go through that time. Cause as you said, now it's global warming and it's too hot. So you won't get the 60 days of ice outside. And that was, uh, you know, those childhood memories, man, come home from school and just go right out to the backyard or to the local park. But, um, you know, you and your brother, obviously both ended up playing a long time hockey, but I'm curious, like when your dad was taking you to the rink there at the start, like, were you both like drawn to the sport right away or was it kind of mixed emotions? So I was first um, beating a hockey stick around. It's Canadian kids. Everyone's like, "How did you get into hockey?" It's Canada. Uh, so you're hit, hitting the hot, the playing with a mini stick and in the kitchen. And and that's my mom's like, "Well, I think you got to get them into hockey." And my brother didn't have any interest until he was about four. I started skating when I was like three, um, and then he got to four, saw me do it. And he's like, "Oh, I want to do it." And of course, he gets the bug and. Um, then it's uh we, we're off to the races it's a great way to great way to start and and maybe this this will tie into the next thing here is you're really known for your shot like your shot was was so hard <laughs> i remember uh facing you in practice uh you know it's just hoping you wouldn't hit the net or it would just go in <laughs> so i wouldn't have to take one of those in the palm but uh do you think like because of like you starting at that young age and obviously having access to you know whether it was no to rink or your dad at the local rink, do you think that's a big reason how you like were able to, you know, produce a shot like that, especially at a young age? Like even in minor hockey, it was it was hard. 
Yeah, it was. I always was always shooting pucks. Um, we'd go up to the rink to and say, load up into the the back of the car. We go shoot pucks. We had one of our buddies was a was a goalie, and we'd throw him in the back of the car. And, I mean, he would get peppered for about an hour, and then he'd want to play forward. And we would we once there was no goalie, we didn't want to play anymore. Um, but uh, yeah, we used to. Do, it, it was all right. We're gonna go shoot pucks. We're gonna go shoot pucks, and there definitely was a major emphasis on 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 shooting pucks especially kind of how my dad taught it and then we used to beat the shit out of the garage door old steel garage door and just absolutely destroyed it mom got a new one i think maybe we're 10 11 years old and there was no more shooting pucks in driveways so um that was that had to stay at the outdoor rink or uh, one of my dad's rinks but um it's something we always kind of i mean even training like through college and junior like we would work it with goalie schools so we could shoot pucks uh, it was kind of something i always enjoyed definitely probably more than skating or doing that it was just if i could shoot the puck in the driveway at the outdoor rink at a goalie school and shooting hockey camp that those are the one opting for mm-hmm. no it's definitely something that i think a lot of players who haven't done it or have been hesitant to it should start doing more is going to goalie schools because you're you know, the goalies go through so many reps there. Sometimes it's two groups and they're on the ice maybe once or twice a day. So there's two to four ice sessions where you're just ripping pucks and it's for the goalies. But at the same time, it also benefits you because you're working on little skill things. Normally these goalie sessions have game situations too that, Mm -hmm. you know, can transmit to your game as well. So I always felt that a lot of good shooters. So I'd see at these camps, you could see why they did well in their various, various leagues. But what was your, uh, your minor hockey path, like, like I, I forget, like, were we against each other there, Hamilton Bulldogs, or were you somewhere else? First year, I was with the the reps when I was okay. eight years old, and then uh, um, flipped over to the Stony Creek Icebreakers, uh, which became the Bulldogs. Um, actually, saw the Icebreaker jersey; it's pretty sick. Um, my mom has all the jerseys just tucked away in storage at the house, but um, yeah, it was it played i think i took a year off um because of because of the, the coach or coaching situation randy cut i wasn't going to coach the team and um and uh i think i played i played hub hockey for a year and then went back to triple a with the bulldogs and um yeah spent the majority of the my minor hockey league career with them what what a pass that guy was but um no that's that's pretty cool i was trying to remember there obviously you remember dan because he was obviously like a little guy as i said a little pest running around and then i think ronaldo was on the team one year maybe yeah Yeah, he was a 15 year old year yeah he was on the team with luke watson on that team as well yeah um we we were heavy and we hit hard i don't think we were I i don't remember our record we weren't that great but um you guys led the league in something, so yeah, <laughs> probably penalty minutes. But um, no, the fir- first thing I want to talk to you about, which I thought was pretty unique, was you know after your your OHL draft year, you end up playing, I believe it's junior C the next year in in, in Glanbrook instead of going and playing midget. And I'm curious, what like what was your decision there? Because there's always the weighing factor. So like midget. You know, you go back, know somewhere where you're going to get a lot of ice. And then even making the jump to junior C, there's never that guarantee because you are playing with kids who are older than you. Like, did you feel you were just ready to make a, a jump up from minor hockey? Yeah. So I got, I got cut from, uh, all, all the junior A teams. Um, 
got cut from Stony Creek Junior B, and then I was going. I was going to go play midget, um, and my uncle was like, "I think you should maybe try out for this Junior C team because, again, like you said, kids are older. It benefits you if you're going to go play against older players in junior. You're going to try and do that. Um, it benefits you to uh, play against bigger and older kids because I think you can play up to 20 years old and and, and Junior C." Um, the hockey is pretty good, especially as a 16 year old. Um, and so I went out there, I think you're only allowed one 16 year old, one or two 16 year olds. And I made the team. Um, and I don't regret it. I had a ton of fun. There were some awesome guys on that team. Um, my mom, long story short, my coach, Rob, uh, uh Greg Claus has passed away. Uh, but she went to high school with my mom, which is kind of just like a, small world thing in hamilton have pretty big uh city but um yeah you're in you're in the, the jungle sea was was a blast oh it's cool it's cool to see man like i've seen just from like a bias perspective like i think steve mason started there one year in, in grimsby mm-hmm. and then the next year he was in the ohl so like it's yeah you know there's that always that decision i guess between major midget and junior c if you can and I think there's pros and cons to each. Um, Absolutely. Midget, obviously, you can still do the tournament stuff, which I know a lot of kids miss at that age, you know, the going somewhere. But uh, no, that's good. And then the next year, evidently, this is when we meet each other, right? So you, you make the jump uh, to Tier 2 Junior A there for the Burlington Cougars, and I did the same thing as well. And uh, we end up playing the next two years there together. And I mean you end up playing three years there and i just like it seems like every year like you just were able to take this like massive leap in in both like production and obviously like maybe confidence as well um your last year there which i think is the most important season to talk about the 09 2010 season you and juice obviously play together and you guys just had unbelievable chemistry that year um you set i believe a record for 72 goals in the season and josh got 92 assists or something breaking his dad's record like you two were just unstoppable like that third year did you just kind of feel like you know going into the season like everything felt good you were ready to go you knew what to expect or did you do anything different that summer like how did you increase so much over your couple of years there in the in the junior league we, we started training a little bit obviously it's still like when we were growing up like i think there was maybe sst Mm-hmm. And, but it, it like training and stuff wasn't huge. Um, not like it is now. I feel like kids start at 10 years old, eight years old. They have programs for them to start doing, even if they're not lifting weights or they're, they're working out. Um, so started to work out a little bit. Um, we found a trainer and, 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 and that helped. We weren't, we weren't super into it because again, we we're just, we're hockey players. We we're trying to, we we're shooting talks in the summer and, and, and training and, and we were on the ice well, three or four or five days a week. Um, I just felt like, I think, I don't know, I had 30 something goals the year before as an 18 year old. And then you're going as a night, uh, as a 19 year old, you're like, I can definitely do better. And I had an incredibly hot start. I think I went back to back hat tricks, a one goal game and then a four goal game. And I was like, uh, I remember Mark Jersey. He's like, I thought you were going to score 50. He's like, now I think we're looking like 60. <laughs> um, and then schools start calling. Um, so, uh, I th- there were definitely some weaker teams in the league that year, but I mean, scored against everyone. I don't know if there's someone that Josh and I didn't produce against, um, both over a hundred points and 40, 
like fifth, like just under 50 games. So, um, scoring, scoring goals and putting up points is something valued in any league. doesn't matter if it's, you know, uh, if it's Pee Wee junior, um, uh, the Dell, I mean, that's how you win hockey, hockey games. You gotta, you gotta outscore the other team. So, um, we had a special chemistry and it's something that, um, you know, you only kind of get a couple times in your career. And if you can get it once, it's remarkable. You see with these tandems in the NHL, like Ovechkin and, and, uh, and, and, and Backstrom. And I uh, think like, that's not on every team. You don't have that. There's a certain reason why guys can, that they just jolly, they just find each other. Um, and I definitely had that with Josh. Yeah. I mean, I think you too, obviously suit each other's playing styles like he was very known for being able to see the ice while playmaking and obviously you were a goal scorer and i mean you also put up some assists too um not to chirp you but i think a lot of them might have been rebounds um <laughs> but uh um no it was good and obviously and to that year which i think something that you got to do was cool and i got to do it the year before was you got to represent uh team canada there in the world junior a challenge like uh how was that experience for you? And, and where was your tournament that year? Uh, so we were in Somerset PEI. Um, and I was very nervous because like we're in a microcosm, like we're just in a small league. And then you, you're talking, you're, you're representing the Eastern half of the country. And there's some very good hockey players that you end up playing with and, and, and against, and it's obviously it's not the, it's not the major junior level level, but a lot of these guys turned out and played pro and, I mean, Lucas Lasio played on that team as a, as a 16 year old and then got drafted in the second round to the Coyotes. Like we're, um, we're so young. Um, but we just, it's, it's definitely very cool. I mean, that's, um, a moment I, I, I cherish. We, we lost in the bronze medal game. Um, but it, uh, it's just, uh, just an awesome experience. I mean, you get to represent your country. It's only the, the, the best of the best get to do that and so to just be considered in, in that tier and in, in uh junior a is is very very cool and very special it's always great when you can put on your your country's jersey i'm just uh looking at the roster here funny enough lucas lesio i saw him uh last night um he was uh playing for balzano against Mannheim. i was at that game so he was on the ice and then yeah you get some other guys too uh, they lost, yeah. but uh, he he's obviously very noticeable. Like he was in the Dell last year. He I, can fly. Yeah, I believe he was in the Dell year last year, the year before he was in Curryfield at one point. But uh, yeah, good player. Obviously, you have some other good players on the team, like Julian Melchiori. Obviously, played yeah. you know long time Winnipeg system, and now he's over in the Dell. Um, Brock Higgs, Nick mm-hmm. Hurd was a long time Dell two guy. Alex Guptil. So yeah, you guys obviously Colin Campbell too. Um, Andrew Kalov. Wow. Yeah, it was a star-studded yeah, was, roster, <laughs> dude. It was good. I just saw them all in college. It was crazy. Um, so, yeah, pretty, pretty. I mean, they those teams, like you know, people say sometimes, you know, well, it's not the World Juniors. Well, you're right, but no one from Tier Two Junior is going to make the World Juniors because you know they're either getting ready to go to school or they're trying to make the OHL. Like you know, the Tier mm-hmm. the World Juniors takes from the the step ahead. But these guys, like my team, we had. Brandon Peary, uh, Riley Smith just won a cup. Like we had, we had good guys too. So it's, it's a very good tournament. So if you ever get the chance, anyone listening to play in that tournament, you know, work your butt off to get a chance to represent your country there. Cause it's a fun tournament. It goes quick, but as you said, it, it takes you out of that, that pool. Like, you know, we were so secluded there in the, 
in the GTA and then you you're representing Eastern Canada and there's like guys from five other leagues right so it's mm-hmm. it's a cool tournament but um after uh so after that third year in Burlington um you end up getting a, a D1 scholarship to St. Lawrence University but I'm curious so throughout that last year especially like I mean you were getting interest before but that last year obviously a record breaking season like how many teams were you talking to were you going on a lot of visits and then um what made you uh in the end choose St. Lawrence University so I I kind of probably like 20ish 25ish teams and there's like some that are more serious and some like you're not interested in um I didn't really get any interest from like the big big name like there was no Minnesota's or Michigan's or Wisconsin um there's a lot of uh interest from your uh uh from Atlantic hockey and then ECAC I mean um could have gone to union um but they didn't have scholarships um uh, which is that's that, that's a whole thing so I kind of had I did back to back I went to Bowling Green and could have gone there uh and it's like <laughs> there was like that all-star game it's like I went to Bowling Green went to an all-star game drove home got in the car went up to St. Lawrence it was just like over eight days it was kind of wild um and we drove up to st lawrence in a snowstorm of course north country there's snow um and my dad's like we got to go where i'm like we got to go to st lawrence we got to go visit and uh when i stepped on campus it was like i thought that this was somewhere where i could go to college um it felt like a college it was small class sizes were going to be small kind of gave me that um you know you're not going to get lost in a, in a big school um this is Penn State land. Everyone goes to Penn State. Penn State is huge. I mean, that building and program is amazing. But there's something to be said about a smaller college and the experience that you can get. Um, so I think it, they were kind of actually coming down to play Ni- play Niagara, <clears throat> and our and the head coach Joe Marsh and assistant coach um, Mike Hurlbut drove from Niagara to rent a car, drove from Niagara to my house to have dinner with my family to. Um, and that that pretty much sealed the deal. We shook hands, and um, I committed to go to St. Lawrence. It's cool to hear that. Fun fact: I was probably on the bench for Niagara during <laughs> during that because uh, uh, I remember going. I remember the going to St. Lawrence. I came. I couldn't remember them coming to us, but you know who knows. So long ago, but uh, yeah, I remember you guys had the cool um, like the rink had like that almost like old feel to it, like the wooden like kind of fifty two. Yeah. yeah it's all old wood so yeah they, they put in a ton of money um i haven't been able to get up it's very difficult to get to the north country from just about anywhere but mm-hmm. where we used to live because you could just drive up the the 403 um uh kiwi i can't remember uh, road up to ottawa um but the um they kind of kept the old school like wood like you get 3500 people in there it's bumping Mm-hmm. um and so i definitely miss miss that the college atmosphere is so much different than pro uh it's it's kind of crazy and before we talk about your just experience there at uh at st lawrence i wanted to ask one more question so when you were having success especially in tier two junior um like when we were playing together had there ever been a thought in your head about uh like going major junior or at some point had you just kind of turned off that avenue and been like you know what i'm i'm 18 years old like there's no point anymore i want to go to school so i did when i was 18 and when i was 19 had teams ask um for me to jump 
uh, over to major junior. And I just feel like when you hit 18 years old to, um, commit to, uh, major junior, I mean, I know they, they offer school packages and stuff like that. And I had people tell me, you know, you can still get your school paid for. Um, but I kind of had my mindset once you see guys like you leave and, and your buddies leave to go to, to, to go to play tier or division one college hockey in the States, that just becomes your goal. And I remember my senior year of high school sitting down with the guidance counselor and I hadn't applied to any colleges. And he's like, are you sure you don't apply to this and this? I'm like, oh, I'm going to go play hockey in the States. And he just, it was kind of beyond him. He didn't really understand. And I didn't matter because I did. Um, but I was like, no, I'm going to go play division one hockey in, in the state. So I'm okay. I don't need to apply to any Canadian colleges. And, he's, and he really kind of argued with me and I was like, I'm sorry, but like this, is, that's, that's going to be my path. That's what I'm going to go do. And made it happen. The problem with some of those guidance counselors, like if they have no familiarity with like the, like obviously, you know, don't get me wrong, whatever it is, 80% of the students are, are normal at high school. So they're going to like university, but like there are that athlete yeah, ones who are yeah who are looking to to go over to the states and stuff but uh no that's funny and i like for someone who's never been the same like i've only been to the rink obviously never been to the campus like how is the how is the campus like is it you know you said it's smaller but is there like you know stuff to do around there is it like a small town medium-sized town like obviously too uh wink wink nudge nudge how was the party scene uh because that's obviously part of university but just how was the all experience for you at st lawrence both on the ice and off the ice st lawrence is so much fun uh, we always said like you, we couldn't get in trouble at st lawrence it's kind of a use don't abuse policy so there's no campus police there's town police it's a little village Canton's a village a couple thousand people um the school adds 2500 to the town um so it's it's small we're out you're up in the middle of nowhere there's two bars uh, one bar, one bar where you dance and it's a little kind of gross called the TikTok, and then the Huda where you can get your dollar beers on Tuesday nights and uh, you kind of go and I think you had to be 21 and over to get into the, to, to the Huda. Um, but it's the most, it was so much fun going to St. Lawrence because it just is like, it was a genuine college experience. Like you got to, we got to experience every part of it, the parties, the, the, the hockey, you know, going to class and um i mean travel kind of sucked because you're bussing all over and there's no airports near the close airports here queues and we only flew to minnesota um but it it experience from a i would do it a hundred times out of a hundred i would i would choose st lawrence oh it sounds like it was a a cool experience and kind of something that you yourself are looking for like not crazy big but like uh mm -hmm you know, a little smaller, which I know some people look for that. I definitely looked for that too. And I mean, you obviously enjoyed it on the ice as well. You know, very productive uh, college career, especially, uh, you know, I, I said this to, I can't remember the last one of the other guests I had on where we were talking about their college career, but to say your worst season, like point wise was 37 points. So over a point per game, every season, your last two seasons were very, very productive. Um, were you, so here, here's, Here's an interesting question for you because I know, so your your junior year, I believe your brother came, but he couldn't play. He had to sit a year, and then you guys ended up playing together your your senior year to uh there in his I'll say sophomore year, but his first year playing really. Um, 
after that junior year though, like were you getting were you getting interest to sign to sign pro? Because obviously you had 51 points in, in 38 games and had been proven productive player in the league for three years. There was there there was some interest. There was no, there was no firm numbers or offers, and I already had it in my head that I wanted to graduate because, um, as you know, like in pro hockey, to to give it to give up uh, an education. I mean, you, you look at a liberal arts art school. It's their tuitions are sixty to seventy grand. That's kind of what you make as an entry level player. Obviously, you get your bonus, but if you're turning pro. You're going to the coast here. You're playing in the American League as a rookie. Like that's kind of how you look at it. And uh, when Joe Marsh sat down with me before I went there, he's like, "We're going to hand you two hundred grand. What are you going to do with it?" Um, and so I saw I could never get that out of my head. I was like, "I have to get my education first. Um, maybe it shortened my pro hockey career a little bit, um, but who knows? Maybe I don't. Maybe I leave too early and." Um, I fizzle out at 25 or 26. I don't get to play till I'm 30, 31, 32 years old. Uh, so you, you can never, you can never know, but I, I was happy with Stan. Um, you know, I met my wife there. So spent senior year, um, having fun and playing with my brother for the first time in a very long time. And the last time I got to play with him, um, graduated and, uh, got to turn pro. It was kind of like just a 20, 2013, 14 was a kid hit every, Mm. kind of know that it needed to yeah before we talk about you moving on like obviously as i said you played with your brother there and just you brought it up before like you only get so many times maybe once or twice in your career where you can play with someone who you know sees you on the ice just as just as well or maybe you know as you just both know what you're doing obviously first you had that with juice and then obviously in college i you know i think that year you and your brother kind of like the Sedine twins in a sense like just always knew where each other were on the ice because you'd spent so many you know winters on the backyard rink like playing together so just talk about how cool that experience was to spend your last year with him yeah so we so i mean i i I had 28 goals my junior year and i think i only maybe had 18 my senior year but again a lot of my assists ended up being rebounds (laughs) probably power play points but um you know we ran the number one power play in the country which as your St. Lawrence, it's absurd. Uh, I have my, one of my fondest memories. We went to North Dakota, home of how many like NHL legends went to North Dakota and we beat them. St. Lawrence went to North Dakota and we beat them and they were writing articles because they were worried about like our offense. And we did, we, we dominated them. I think we had four power play goals. I had three power play assists and um, they ended up having, they had to have a closed door meeting after the game because they got embarrassed by St. Lawrence and they beat us maybe three, two the next night. And they went on to, I think they made the tournament, um, to, uh, that year. But, um, you know, my, my brother was definitely a big part of that. We, we, uh, we gelled really well. And, um, I mean, it was just so much fun. Um, I think there are only a couple of games we didn't get points. And if you're getting points, um, it's, as as a, as a skilled player um it's it's easy to stay up so um our season ended against colgate that year uh which was probably too soon but i always say it with st lawrence like there's so many good players that play in different eras it's not a big enough draw to get them all there at once but if you could combine like a decade of the really high-end players um i mean you could have made a really 
significant run at a national championship, but it's a small program. And I mean, the ranking stuff has improved and, and uh, they got a new great coaching. So hopefully it's coming in the future, but um, yeah, I mean <laughs> that season uh, lost the Hopi Baker to John and Goodrow um, in the, in the Hobie Hattrick. He's a pretty good player. And just to, for St. Lawrence to be up there with Boston College is crazy. You would never, you, you don't compare a school, small ECAC school. Um, and it did also help back to back years, Yale and Uni won national championship. So it definitely brought the respect level up of the ECAC. Yeah. Um, I mean, <laughs> if you're going to lose the summit, I guess you're going to lose to Johnny Gaudreau. Um Johnny Hockey. Johnny Hockey. But yeah, no, that's, uh, I mean, to be up for that award too, like your last your last year there, I think it's as you said, you kind of hit all the points on the on the bucket list or the checklist to to go out and. Um, I think I'm that curious was about your first, hmm? first team All American that year with Hayes and Gaudreau and Goss to spare, and I was just like, it's a pretty damn good first team. Um, a lot of current NHL players, uh, so it's like that's pretty cool. Yeah, ECAC Player of the Year too. So like it's yeah. I mean, pretty good year, I would say. Um, and then I'm curious about, uh, so after this year ends, um, you know, you said you want to get your degree. Um, I do, I am curious what you graduate in, but also like at this point, like you're obviously getting contacted by teams. So how did you end up picking to go to Portland? Uh, I believe at that time they were affiliated with arizona um so how did you end up making that decision that yeah this is where i see a good fit and a chance for me to you know live my dream of playing pro hockey so arizona is always kind of a wild card i think they were still phoenix when i signed they were still phoenix um and there's always up op- there's opportunities for players to play there um minnesota was in the mix philly was in the mix um and then i was offered like kind of a huge pto that ended up getting the league was like, no, you guys are trying to circumvent the caps. You can't do that. But that was the reason why I went to, uh, to Arizona, um, and signed there and went through my first training camp. And it definitely, um, definitely is eye opening. Uh, cause when you go from pl- college where you're one of the best players to playing against the best players, you're like, wow, this is going to be a lot harder than I thought. Um, this is not going to just be walk in, just sign a ticket and play in the NHL for 10 years. Um, so, um, grateful to have the opportunity to sign my first contract with Phoenix. Uh, but it, it definitely is an eye opening experience. I think that's always a big jump for, for anyone. Cause it's just so different. And, um, obviously then you've been playing against guys who've been in the league for for 10 years right and you know coming from a different kind of i would say also too like style of hockey like we we were kind of when we were coming up through junior stuff we were getting out of that like tougher hitting uh era um and even coming out of college too obviously college there's a lot of hitting because you don't have to worry about your face getting uh mangled with the cages but uh yeah we were in a transition period i felt like with uh with hockey but um yeah. So before we move on from college, what did you end up graduating with from uh, at St. Lawrence? So I had I, I had a bachelor of arts and and honors in history. Um, so I had a senior thesis, did that, and got honors, and then I had a minor in Canadian studies, which is kind of funny. It used to be a uh, a major there because like with how close St. Lawrence is to Ottawa and Canada, like um, 
Canadian relations that came are pretty essential. And one of our professors is what was like the foremost expert on Canadian American relations. So when things are going great, they would phone them up. Um, but, uh, yeah, got my degree. Um, I mean, in terms of degree, unless you're going to really get into something super specific, like if you're getting into finance or, um, you can kind of slap a degree on, on, and, and a lot of jobs, um, obviously I want my engineers to have like specific degrees and I want my doctors to have specific degrees, but, um, in the role that I am now, um, just the ability to learn, adapt, be smart. So bachelor history was perfect for me. Uh, I'm sure you're, you're using that, uh, in, in your daily job now. <laughs> I always laugh at that stuff. Writing helps with writing emails, I guess. Yeah. Prepared you for. For slaving on your computer all day um yeah then obviously uh, like back to your hockey career there i think it's a good thing to talk about that so you obviously got your feet wet you know kind of after st lawrence there for i believe it's 13 games you played in the ahl but i always like to talk about that first year because again what you just talked about that adjustment and you obviously it was a it was probably a bit of a grind because you like many athletes in hockey get in that kind of call up range so you know you get some ahl games and then you're going back down to the coast like how was that first year for you like just i would call it the grind like how was that for you physically and mentally so they as a 24 year old they expect you to hit the ground running they there's not a lot of room for error when you're that age um as a 20 year old you can kind of as a draft pick you get a little more leeway that's the nature of it um you're signed as a high-end uh college prospect to kind of be able to produce and and like they they give you that little brief stint after the season uh and then into the next season and they expect you and um i got scratched the first bunch of games got to play some games i was mostly on the fourth line and you kind of know after your first send down call up kind of what's going to happen you play play some games then your role changes and then you get sent down um so it sucks when it first happens um you think like man this is probably the end um you know i had my one-year nhl contract and then we'll see what happens next year so um spent i enjoyed i loved all the guys in portland you know they had a pretty good run lost to manchester who ended up winning the caller cup that year um in the first round and uh i love playing in gwinnett Gwinnett, georgia was an absolute blast um the guys in the coast play for different reasons than the guys in the american league and you can absolutely see that the moment you step into the locker room it's probably one of my most fun years with also being one of the most difficult because it felt like the end but I enjoyed uh, every second of it. I just saw you played a little bit with my my old college roommate CJ Charter in that year. <laughs> yeah, what a beauty that guy was. Oh, um, beauty. A couple other guys too. Nathan Burns, who's got his German pass now, so he's over in Germany. Scott Arnold was the a world is the smallest world. Ever. Yeah, it's just it's crazy. But um, I wanted to ask you. So after that year, as you said, like you just kind of you know up and down and you kind of start to start to wonder and you kind of see where you fit on the depth chart i would say at least but did you do anything different that summer or, or just because that you had that full year under your belt you kind of 
knew what to expect because the next year you end up going to Springfield, put a 43 points in, in 64 games. So from being one year ago, you you couldn't you know stay in the lineup, I would say, on, on Warden Organization, AHL. And then the next year, you just take off and then you basically for the next you know, five years don't look back, but did you do, was there anything different in terms of that summer preparing or anything? So I really, really, really focused on fitness going into my first year pro. Uh, I got down, I was like 197 pounds, um, in my first, first training camp, I've been under 100 and 200 in a long time. Uh, definitely nowhere near that now. Um, but I was going back to even shooting pucks hard. You just don't shoot it as hard. You don't have the, can see it in baseball too like guys are hitting home runs and stuff you kind of lose like a little weight helps a lot of weight slows you down but it was like trying to figure out okay what is my optimal like am i can can i play at 205 to 210 is that going to make me too slow 215 220 probably makes you too slow but you can shoot it hard and we we say in and and goal is you got to stop the puck um but in Every other position, if you can do something very well and the rest you can do pretty well, you can find a spot. So if you can snap pucks back on the faceoff, you might be able to find a spot because you you win those faceoffs on the penalty kill. You're an absolute asset every night because we're putting you out. You're taking that faceoff. We're dumping the puck down. We're killing 20 seconds. Um, so it's like I shot the puck well. I could score. So how can I get the rest of my game up to par? Um and going into that second season was just like really focusing on trying to figure out how can I optimize the rest of my game while still uh, scoring. So I got kind of a pity contract um, because of that. Um, They're trying to sign me to like a huge PTO out of college. And so my agent ended up working out a deal, an American league deal, and they had planned on sending me down and I had three goals and two, exhibition games and they're like well we can't fucking send them down now so um i had a good training camp a good ahl training camp they took me to arizona had a decent camp there and then um had a good training camp in springfield and they're like well you're gonna have to uh let's hang out here in the hotel for a little bit uh it's the second season where i didn't make play the first few games um but i finally got in the lineup um so they they played me just a little bit. Um, was it two or three games I missed? I, I can't remember going back too long, but I ended up playing a game against Wilkes-Barre and I had a goal and an assist in two minutes of ice time. And they just would not put me back on the ice. And everyone was laughing. They're just like, every time he goes on the ice, we score, just put him back. And after the game, everyone's laughing. They're like, what the fuck, what the fuck was that? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, you know, I kind of snap one from the wall, went in, and then I found Dustin Jeffrey for, for, uh, uh, a nice goal in the slot. And I mean, my Corsi rating was probably the highest ever in the history of hockey. And I was talking like, are you going to be on the first line next week? And I was on the first line the next week. Um, and when you go from playing a third line, fourth line role to playing with the skill guys, I just started scoring goals and just kind of became my spot. So a little lucky, a little fortunate, maybe uh, that some of those pucks went in, but that's second year pro kind of, solidified my career in the american league well that's a puck luck that everyone talks about or just the luck of you know you need a chance and when you get a chance you got to just be able to deliver in that moment and that's a perfect example of how 
you know, the two minutes of ice time you were given the week before you put produced, but they wouldn't put you back on the ice. And then you got your chance the next week. And, you know, kind of like you said, almost that uh, pity PTO contract to now being a, a dominant force in the, in the AHL. It's crazy how things can just snap and turn on a dime like that. And you end up, you know, going to Lehigh after that and playing the next four years in that organization every year, being very protective. Um, I think one of the years you guys went to the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, I was going to say the semis of the league. So Eastern Conference Finals against the Marlies there, the the year that they won, I believe. And I'm just curious because, like, you know, you seem comfortable there, obviously. You know, 51 points, 53, 61, 30. Um, seemed to be a place that you were obviously doing well consistently. When you were putting up these points every year, was there ever a, a thought in your head being like, could I get the call sometime? Like, wh- like, like for me, that would just seem like frustrating being like, yeah, clearly I'm dominating this league. I'm putting up points. Like, you know, why, why, why can't I get, you know, just a sniff, like, give me, give me two games or something, you know? Like, so how was that for you? Looking back, I probably should have got one, you know? I mean, guys start with their set many, many times I was leading the league in goals and you can get a game. Um, but I mean, so Ron Hextall had a very, he ran the, his organization. Exactly. He knew who he was going to call up and, and, and you know what, that was fine. He kind of was straight with my role and what, what it was going to be. Um, I know my agent pushed for it, but, um, would have been nice to get a game. Um, and you know, just wasn't the way to check out. I love, love the boys. I love playing Lehigh. Um, obviously the coaching staff and, and the fan base and, and, for a non-prospect to say to stay somewhere for four years is rare usually guys bounce around chasing money but i liked it here and i was kind of i was comfortable here and had some phenomenal teammates um but uh yeah i mean sometimes you 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 can see seasons where everyone gets called up doesn't matter and other seasons it just is certain guys and um goes back to here before i don't score two goals in two minutes maybe my career's over and um he's done i scored shit ton and um don't get a sniff in the national league uh but it is what it is i wouldn't give up my 400 games for one nhl game too many memories too many good good uh good hockey memories attached to those to play four minutes or two minutes or um that's a hard thing too when you're a skilled player your goalie you're playing a whole game or you're playing a whole period but if you're just dumping pucks out there for four minutes or five minutes in a game and sit on the bench waiting to go back out i, mean, I did that did that my first year pro and i did that my, my first year junior and that's not me i don't like that i want to score i want to score goals i tied a lot of my probably too much of my my emotional health to putting the puck in the net because you don't score 72 um unless you're an absolute superstar in pro hockey but uh yeah no it's it's so true like i've said this to other people too like you know a lot of teams when they call guys up like you have some organizations that just call a guy up and then yeah he's our top scorer in the hl well he's he'll suit our fourth line and then you're like well no where i remember for example like dustin jeffrey who like you know he was a guy in the penguin system and when they were doing the 24 7 i remember he got called up and like when they put him in they put him in for the injured malkin because they knew he had to go in like a top six role Mm -hmm. because that's what he was doing in the ahl you know so it's just like 
you know, obviously if you, how you are in the AHL, the most times you're going to be the same type of player in the NHL or you want to be that player. Like, you know, some guys can obviously yeah. change their role, but you, know, yeah. you made a good there's point. Some, there's a, some phenomenal top six players in the Flyers. I mean, I think Giroux and Voracek are, are saying that for themselves. So they actually, they had some terrific, but what's very cool, not playing in the NHL, seeing your friends make it, you know, being able to be a part of playing with guys who get called up. Like that's awesome. And that, that definitely have some pride with that and playing with guys kind of helping them on their journey to get to the NHL is, is awesome. That's a good way to look at it. It's a good positive out of it. I'm curious. Um, so after your four years there in Lehigh, and I, I know this was the COVID year too, but you ended up taking a, a year off. Like, was that multiple couldn't reasons? Find a, couldn't find a deal. Really? Couldn't find a deal. Um, and so I was, <laughs> some ridiculous stories that happened leading up to that. So my buddies, we'll just go back to the summer of 2019, 20, I uh, visited my buddy and his grandmother backed into my car. <laughs> So I saw a Canadian car, Canadian plates. I would go back in the summer and renew it. And with your insurance, they're fine with you cover like staying, like having your Canadian insurance, they'll cover it until still there's an issue. And then, so I lost my insurance. So I couldn't insure my car in the States without a uh, American license. So I was kind of floating in between like the borderline, like call a different company, have some insurance. And then eventually like, didn't have a, my license was expiring. My visa was expiring in the summer of 2020. Um, I couldn't insure my car. And I'm like, I got to like, I can't leave the country cause it's shut down. Um, if I leave, they're not going to let me, they're not going to let me back in cause I don't have a visa. Uh, I'm here with my wife and dog and trying to figure that out. So, and I applied for a green card. Um, and, was stuck in the country for 13 months. So I couldn't even get over to Europe. Um, there's so much shit that you have to do when you're doing a process like that. And it was, everything is backed up with COVID and, um, going through that process. They let you, you can buy a car and you can get a license and you can get insurance. And so it made that part of my life easier, but then I, I couldn't, couldn't leave, leave the country. I had some offers to go to Europe and I'm like, I just can't, I can't go. Um, because like, I, I don't know when they're going to call me and say like, okay, hey, you have to come down to Philly. You have an interview today. Um, like the American government's pretty serious. Um, and that's how like, my future was going to be here. Um, but so that kind of strapped me. And then the American league kind of talking to your agent, Oh yeah, that's coming back. It's coming back. And then waited, waited, waited. And it was the year where they didn't have playoffs and they were just kind of like a couple teams playing each other. The coast was 13 teams playing in the South and um, I didn't want to play in the coast. And so I uh, just hung around, sat on the shelf for a year, which is very, very hard to do when you're 30 years old. And um, you thought you're kind of in the, the peak of your career. That's a crazy story, but it all makes sense now. Cause I always had been like, how is this guy? Like, is he hurt? Is, is it COVID reason? Like, how is this guy not have a job? Like, whether it was North America or Europe. But, uh, yeah, who knew that when grandma backed into your car there, uh, that just set you on a 13-month. Uh... <laughs> wild. Wild. And, I mean, if the American League had come back, I mean, 
I probably could have gotten a deal somewhere. Um, but Philly wasn't interested in having me back. They had a whole uh, management changeover from Hextall to the Fletcher and, and uh, they didn't really want, want me back. And that happens with management changes it happens with, with players. I mean, you see guys in the NHL get traded because of management change. So mm-hmm. the American league, obviously they kind of want to want their guys and that's totally fine. Um, but I, I, the one thing I didn't know is like, I didn't want COVID to retire me. Uh, you know, I wanted to leave on my own terms. Yeah, and evidently, you know, after that year, you end up going to Europe finally, um, playing in the ISHL there in Italy. Um, how was that experience for you? Like, you know, your first time, obviously, playing in Europe. You'd been so long in North America. Obviously, Italy, great country to to live in. But how was that overall experience? And then the second part is, at the end of the season, like, did you kind of have a feeling that you know this is this was my last year and uh, I'm ready to move on? So in between all of hockey, uh, all the hockey circle, I had my firstborn, Grant, and um, in the, in twenty twenty one, and that is one of the most awesome things that I've ever experienced. Probably the the most awesome thing um, I, I'm at, I've ever experienced. Um, kind of just being able to hold him. He came a little too early. Um, he's quite stubborn and he was stubborn on entry and he's still stubborn to this day. But, um, so I had to, my wife had a great job. She was working remote, um, still with, with, uh, her company and she's still with that company today. So when you get to stay in the American league for a long time in a certain city, um, some guys vibes, especially Canadians and stuff like that. They, they, they don't work, but my wife is always very career driven. She had a great career here. Um, and I, at the, on the other side, didn't want hockey to end, um, tried out for the Chicago Wolves, got caught and they won the collar cup that year. There realistically was no chance of making that squad. A, they didn't have any room. B, um, I don't know if I was really fit to play in the American league after a year and a half off. Um, it's a long time to take off a plan. So I went to decided to have Reese Wilcox, my former teammate over begging me to come. And, um, I left my baby and wife at home to go chase around a black puck for five months in Italy. Um, it is 100% different than the American league. I remember one of my first experiences was just getting the puck and looking and just being like, fuck the net is far away. Like you can shoot it hard, but you're just shooting it from, from different angles. Like if I'm taking a one timer just outside the dots and American league rink, like there's a good chance it's going to go in. And I'm looking and I'm like, I don't have the, like this puck is not going to go in the net. Um, so I think I only had seven goals. I had more assists because the playmaking you can still, you can do, you have more time and more freedom that way, but it didn't help that in Pusertal. It's a brand new rink. And even my brother was like, dude, your rink is the biggest rink that I've ever seen. <laughs> It's like, yeah, everyone's like, well, what's the difference? I was like, well, you know, if you don't have the puck and you can't get it in the D zone, you're just going to be out there for a while because you're, they're not going to give it back. They're just going to cycle it around and back to the point. So you just start standing, trying to wear pucks. And that was an absolute change from, you know, being able to wrap up quick breakout, quick hit and get out. And I'm like, oh, this is different. <laughs> That's so true. The top of the circle there is probably... Or the top circle in North in North America is probably like the the blue line or the blue line North America is the top of the circle there. Like it's just so 
so different mm-hmm. um yeah that, that that rink is massive too so that's like double olympic size but um you know it was cool you got to go see europe i'd say that like obviously as you said there was things that were different but it's cool to say that you you got over there got to see italy a bit um i'm sure it was hard leaving your your wife and newborn but uh you know after that year you decide to hang them up and you end up transitioning uh you've transitioned now into a front office job back in, in lehigh valley there so the team you played for as I said before the start of the podcast, you're now a father of two. So everything's kind of come together, man. Like you're back in Lehigh, you know, working in hockey, but you know, more on the business side. Like that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's it's I knew at points in my last season that I was like, Oh, we we're gonna play next year. I was like, Poison oh, done. <laughs> kind of wanna it's not it's not for me. I mean, you beat around the pot uh, puck in the ice league or uh, in Slovakia. And I'm like, if I was single, I play to as long as you can but when you have more important things uh, i mean hockey is such a short part of your life my old teammate kyle flanagan's like just trying to figure out what to do because you you whatever you're going to do you're going to do a lot longer than your hockey career was um and he's you gotta go live for the for another 40 50 years um so you got to find something that, that that you enjoy so i was fortunate enough here to make some very good connections with the ownership of the of the phantoms and uh jim and rob brooks are phenomenal people and then my current boss dennis bagley um i built a great relationship with him outside of the ring because unlike anyone else everyone else i stayed told you my wife worked here so i stayed in the summer and i was like well, what do you do it's like i golf it's an absolute mecca of golf around the around the philly area the golf courses are unbelievable so i was right at home um so i built the, that network and in retirement kind of thought okay what can i do and and reached out and uh they had an opportunity for a corporate partnerships uh opening in the in the uh front office and we joke it's saying you we're slinging signs it's sports marketing and partnerships um and especially in a market like this um it's a very active market and the city is growing and building and the team is right downtown and central so um being able to come back and and work is is very cool my number one thing that i tell people they're like well what's what's different i was like well, i don't get midday naps anymore <laughs> at the office i'm working i don't get the nap for a couple hours after practice so that sucks your pregame naps are out yeah i noticed that in your uh in your instagram bio there from slinging pucks to slinging signs or something like that that's <laughs> that's pretty clever but uh that's a, a little marketing coming out of me there you go but it's cool, man, to see it come full circle, uh, you know, from uh, us uh, spending, uh, I believe it was 5 a.m. night in downtown Toronto at Dead Mouse together. Oh, my um, gosh. That's a, what a rave that was. <laughs> I just have that memory of you. We couldn't find you. And then we come around the corner. And you're just you were just sitting in the corner like and the ground was just covered in whatever liquid of some sort. And we were just like okay i think it's time to go and like by the time Dadmos came on it was like 3 30 and we were all like we weren't on drugs so we were like okay no. we're gonna we're ready to go no, we were too else. young for that then we but... were we were buddy look at our look I, I saw those pictures like looking at my style i was definitely too young i'm surprised they let me in the bar um they stole my uh they stole my uh whatever called my uh my pills there that i had because i couldn't have milk my lactates they thought it was cocaine out of the things so that the guy took it out of my pocket <laughs> i'm like no no what if i eat something Oh, come a long way, man. But, um, yeah, unbelievable. All right, man. I got two more for you because I know you got uh, yeah. the newborn there. So, uh, 
it's just a quick one. This one, uh, did you think you you would have had the career you've had when you look back on it? Um, I think, yeah, I think that I always you when you're when you're working with youth kids and and seeing camps and and teaching camps and seeing kids and different hockey players at different age groups and you can kind of see the ones that are gonna go. Uh, there's just something different about them, and I felt like you have to be very good at every level to get to the highest level. And I mean, I led my team in goal scoring basically my entire career, all the way through every year of hockey into pro. Uh, didn't make it to the NHL, but I mean, I was going to find a way. Um, and like I said before, hockey is about scoring goals and. If you can do that, someone will find find a spot. And I was able to play from five years old to have a twenty seven year hockey career. So that's pretty it's pretty cool and pretty special. It's pretty sick to look back on, like just everything you brought up there. Like, yeah, goal score every year. You'll find a team somewhere, and you know, obviously, <laughs> another slogan. Put it on the yeah. side. What can my kid do? Well, can they score goals? Let's work on it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And last one here. I always like to end on this one. It's for uh, the young listeners out there and also kind of gives you some self-reflection. So when you're looking back on everything, what is one piece of advice or maybe multiple pieces of advice that you would give your younger self and also the younger generation? So if you're speaking to Greg Carey back when he was 16, 17 years old, like what are some pieces of advice you would give him? Uh, I think I was, I said this earlier in the pod was just like, I tied a lot of my emotional state to scoring goals and hockey is what you do. Hockey isn't who you are. Um, so it's just trying to make sure you can create that gap so that when you do come to a point in your life where I am now and I'm still working in hockey, but I'm no longer a hockey player. Um, it's it's cool to step back and be like that was fun that was what i did and i did it for a very long time and i'm excited to share that with my kids and um share it with with any fan or whoever wants to come up and ask me questions but you're just a hockey player so um you you can be your own person you can um if you want to play video games you play video games you want to read books read books um you know find find what you can do outside of just being a hockey player um and then everything else will take care of itself that's a cool way to look at it like in terms of you know we always thought about that stuff like just for example with josh like his dad obviously played long time pro and i'm sure like when he had josh he was like you know showing him everything he'd been through and now like yourself Mm -hmm. you'll be able to do that with your your two kids and you know, it's just, it's cool, man. Like just sharing your journey, sharing what you learned. And, you know, daddy was a pro hockey player and was pretty good goal scorer too. That's why he kept finding jobs. But, um, before we go, one other thing, I'm guessing you've, uh, me and me and Juice were talking about this the other day, we might have to retire the box finally, cause, uh, games are getting too hard for us. But have you, uh, retired the Xbox there? Weren't you a big fable guy or halo guy or something? Yeah, so Starfield just came out last night, and I was trying to play it, but my little guy was a little colicky, so I had to shut it down. Um, but I just did recently. I have X- Xbox and PlayStation still gaming hard. Um, I beat all 100% completed Hogwarts Legacy, so the nerd is still alive. Um, 
just everything beat everything in the game and my buddy's like you're the biggest nerd i've ever met i'm like yeah i had an absolute blast doing it so well i don't get as much time as before to play but i still still try and mix it in i mean if you're gonna do it you might as well do 100 percent. i mean there's no other way but that's good you still get it you still get in there i was i was i was thinking no it's gone but uh that gives hope for me. I can give that to my wife too. She thinks I play too much, but uh, you know, when we have a kid one day, I'll say, you know what? All my friends still play. They find time, babe. So it's all good. But uh, I love it. Anyways, man, I appreciate you taking the time, sharing your story. It was great. Um, especially catching up with you about our, our career days, college days, but uh, yeah, I appreciate it, man. Best of luck with the dad life. Best of luck with the slinging signs in uh, Lehigh there. And uh, yeah, I'll talk to you soon. Perfect. Thanks. Here's Appreciate it. If you're always listening, once again, give us a follow, Instagram, YouTube, and until next week, cheers and ciao.